HR. Yes. Say yes to this. Do you know exactly how I want to win games? Yes. You are the dream midfielder. You're going to be starting for me. You're going to be playing every single minute for the rest of the season, for every single coach, for all time until you retire. And maybe in retirement, you're going to teach my, my midfielders how to play. Deal? Yes. Congrats. You're now Brian Cristante. Welcome to Roma Happens Podcast. Show where we talk about how fucking dog shit Brian Cristante is. What a great hill to die on. Um, for Daniel Aderossi, of course. Joined by Char today, as usual. My name's Greaves. And we're going to kick off this podcast with a small bit of trivia that may not be true. I don't know what to call this. Um, Jose basically said that you cannot win uh, because there is no depth. When one player or two players are injured, you lose. Um, we cannot win without playing three at the back or five at the back, whatever. You cannot win without Dybala or Pellegrini. Uh, Rui is irreplaceable. He never tried different formations, uh, you know, apart from the first half of the first season. We cannot win because of the refs. We cannot win on penalties because we don't have anyone to shoot them. Daniel De Rossi has... Did you just break a glass? Yes. <laughs> Are you okay? Did you hurt yourself? Yes. Stop. <laughs> saying yes yes <laughs> Daniela De Rossi has debunked all of these he managed to win with 4 at the back he managed to win with 5 at the back he managed to win with 3 at the back he managed to win despite referees being complete dog shit he managed to win in penalties he managed to win without Dybala without Pellegrini he showed that Roma can rely on depth and win uh, you know with just bench players I guess so, I don't know. Is there anything else that Jose has been saying that Roma cannot do and he cannot work in these conditions that Daniel De Rossi hasn't debunked so far? I don't think so. Zero Tetoli. <laughs> oh, no. He's yet to win Conference League. How terrible. He's always going to be worse than Jose because, you know, we'll end up playing champions. Uh, how are you doing to the chore? Yes. You said that was my only line. Fucking! I'm just following orders. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, this has been a pleasure. I uh, hope you join us next week as well. Say bye, Char. Yes. <laughs> Sake. What are we talking about? Uh, I'm 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 about to quit this podcast. I'm about to leave. Finally, so we can get some new content. So we're here after Roma beat Torino, and um, we also beat Feyenoord on penalties. And um, yeah, that's been fucking fun. Roma's back to winning ways after, like, this, I guess it counts as a win um, after losing to to Inter. So now we're kind of good again, and. We won five out of six games in Italy, and we're still four points behind fucking fourth spot. What I is that? Hate, I hate to little break your narrative there, but our last Serie A game was not against Inter. It was against Frosinone, and we won 3-0. Uh, it was against Torino, but I'm saying we won five out of six. Yes, so but you said that we came and won against Torino after losing to Inter. 
Oh, there was we a had game frozen on a. There was a game in between. I just meant that we're back to winning ways, and it wasn't just one win after Inter. So, like, we've won multiples. We've won three games, two in Syria, and one in the Europa League. Technically. That's one thing that I actually envy the US. Uh, in Europe, a lot of the bookies will not consider overtime slash extra time or penalties as a win. If they don't do that here either. Nine... Oh, really? Yep, nope. I placed an eight-leg parlay. Just for shits and giggles, you had to either say win-loss or draw in regular time. Ah, yeah. So, yeah. When I used to bet in basketball, I was just like, over them doesn't matter. Like, just if what matters is if you won or lost. We do not condone betting. We are strongly against betting. Betting sucks, and it creates a horrible addiction that you should never, ever, ever try because betting ultimately is made to lose you money. Um, if you win your like first energy. bet ever, what? Just get addicted to caffeine instead. It's way better for you sometimes. Yeah, or drilling walls. Um, what? We, I don't know. So, we beat, um, we beat Feyenoord on penalties. And it was basically just a moment of truth for Svilar. Everything's going his way. And then to cement his number one starting spot, the game fucking went to overtime and <laughs> extra time and nothing happened and we went to penalties and he was like, yep, just let me just save a couple of penalties. And that is after Feyner saved one and he was like, yeah, let me just... Thanks, let me Lukaku. Just God, Lukaku was terrible lately. <laughs> yes. I had a meme that I was like all set, ready to go and then I showed it to somebody and they're like, I really wouldn't send that out because like Lukaku kind of scored in the first leg, so... Yeah, and that was... He scored with his shoulder. Yes, but he still scored. I The meme was... You know the meme where it's like, thank you for everything, not you, and, you know, they had, like, a whole bunch of pictures. I had it with, like, Sfilar and Pellegrini and Zaleski and Dybala and everybody else, and then Lukaku <laughs> was, like, the not you. I'm like, well, he did score... <laughs> In the first leg, I mean, and people will be, oh yeah, he scored in the first leg, your meme's invalid, and I didn't want to send out false information, so I just went with the old standby. Trikers can be streaky, very streaky, um, so that's fine, I guess. He needs to find his groove again, but at this point, I don't know, like against Feyenoord, he had a few chances to score, against Inter, he had like a big chance that he just kind of turned into... The most harmless opportunity ever. Um, against Torino, he had a few, but he hesitated. He doesn't have the killer instinct anymore. I don't know what's going through his head, but I'm not sure anymore if this Roma system fits him. I feel like it fits Asmoon way better. Like, Asmoon started against Torino, and first of all, Asmoon is fucking fast. Holy shit, he has wheels, man. Second, um,. He moves really well. He's very intelligent in reading the play. He helps build the play. He is capable of just running by himself and passing the ball. Um, was it against Feyenoord? Yeah, it was against Torino, where Azmoon basically led the whole attack, and then he, he ran a counter, and then he passed it off to Christensen, who had a wide-open shot inside a box, and uh, he hit the post. Yes. I, 
people are like, oh my god, what is Christensen doing? Like, first of all, he's a fucking... He shot with, le with his left, and he's a failed winger, so... Uh, whatever. Second, he was shooting at Vanya, who is like 2 meters, 7 centimeters or something. Two, 2 meters, 3? I don't know. He's like 6, 7, 6, 8 in freedom units. Uh, so yeah, I don't know when you fucking score on him. When he extends himself, he covers like 90% of the goal. Plus he's huge and bald and, you know, that's distracting. So, this is more just about uh, Sardar's moon being really good. So, going forward, would you actually prefer to start as moon and give Lukaku a breather? Or Lukaku is still class? I'd give Lukaku a breather, and we're getting reinforcements anyway, because apparently Tammy Abraham will be available starting for the Monza game. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. seriously? No yes. way. Yes. No way. Yes. No way. So, that's interesting, uh, because we just saw Awar come back. We saw Smalling come back. I mean, Awar came back a while ago, but something happened at sideline for a while. I don't know. Mysterious. Uh, oh, never mind. Uh, cancel that. The club's medical staff are hoping to have him back in group training after the match with Monza. For fuck's sake. Close. He's getting there. Maybe he'll be really back for the last match of Syria and tears other ACL. <laughs> oh, no. So, okay. Uh, interesting. I was going to say Smalling came back, and then we also saw Renato Sanchez. Sanchez? 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 Let's call him Sanchez. Um, also come back against Torino. But apart from... Apart from... I'm going to just go over the final game. Apart from Pellegrini scoring a goal, we created some opportunities and some chances to score and shit, but I don't know. Did, I didn't feel threatened. It just kind of felt like we were just waiting for Roma to go through. And uh, that was fun. Did you feel like we're going to lose? <laughs> Did you feel like we're going to lose at any point during the penalties? Did it, did it seem to you like the players had a different mentality? I felt like we were going to lose. Um, honestly, really? I, had to, I had to get up and start walking around. I ended up cleaning up my apartment a little bit, just listening oh, to boy. it. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I was that like, is eh. interesting. I had no idea. Well, because the last time we were on penalties, it didn't end very well and i sat riveted in my seat the entire time and just couldn't bear to do it and apparently it's rama's first successful penalty shootout in a while i think they said it like the 80s um no the f uh the last time they won penalty shootouts was at, at olympico was 2002 i think no, Roma's win over Feyenoord marked club's first successful penalty shootout in Europe since 1982-1983. Oh, yeah, this was like, okay, in Europe. I think in Coppa Italia, they beat someone, Lazio or something, in 2002 on penalties. So, yeah, okay, in Europe. I mean, how often do we play penalties? Do we go for penalties in Europe? And it's fun, too, because uh, in that same Google search, Everton put Miles Villar in their sights. Nah, I don't care. Bye. Like, why would why would Roma sell a goalkeeper who speaks fluent Italian, mind you, because he already had like 
was on a talk show. I'm not gonna call it a podcast. I'm sorry, Roma. A 15-minute awkward interview with a player in front of camera is not a podcast. It's That's just... how everybody else does podcasts. We just don't have cameras because yeah. we're ugly. For cameras. We're doing it for the sound. Um, podcasts should not be on YouTube. It's not how it is, man. It's not how it was in my day. Um, but one day we'll change that. So, I don't know, man. Uh, we'll see. Honestly, we'll see I felt like the whole thing sucked. The cameras? No, the uh, the Feyenoord game. Yeah. Because they... <clears throat> excuse me. Feyenoord scored within five minutes. They were just running down the left flank and Hartman crossed and I didn't catch the player. Uh, hit it, like crossed it again back towards the middle and Jimenez just hit a header and Spillar was like, ah, shit. And yeah, like, no. they they came out and just went on the attack and Roma like looked really toothless. And then they just turned it around. Fortunately, in 10 minutes later, Pellegrini just decided, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to shoot outside the box. An absolute banger. And then my confidence was a little bit restored, but then, you know, the rest of the game just went down. Kind of like it did in Budapest. Just nothing, a whole lot of nothing. And we're sitting here like, can one team score? Would be nice. Preferably our team. You want some stats um, or not? Sure. So in that wonderful game, Roma had 58% possession to Feyenoord's 42%. Roma had 15 shots. Three of them were on target. Feyenoord had seven on and four. We had two big chances and two missed. And Feyenoord had one and one missed. We had a... Uh, seven completed crosses out of 27 for 26%, and they had one out of 13. And we had 669 passes, and 569 of them were completed for an 85% pass rate. Well, Feyenoord had 488 passes attempted with 386 completed for 79. So it was a pretty clean game passing-wise, and shooting wise like we shot a lot so that was good because it feels like Roma hasn't shot a lot like under Mourinho they're like yeah let's just sit back and absorb some pressure and hopefully we can we can you know make it a one nil affair and we're just sitting there please just do something you have too much attacking talent out there to just sit back and defend so Actually, I have a question uh, for you. I I don't know what to say to him. Like, it's hard to get this team to do much because they fucking develop bad habits under Jose, but also the way that they're uh, whatever personnel is difficult, especially when they've been playing together for seven years and apparently are the most perfect, most immaculate players ever. Sorry, yeah, go. On. What question? So. Back under the Marino years, we had a rant a couple times about the players completely skipping the midfield and trying to hoof the ball up to Lukaku or, or Tammy or somebody up there 
and then they just sprint the rest of the way and hopefully hit him on the counterattack. Does it feel? Yeah. Does it feel like? Catch and go score against seven people. Well, he'd go run with the ball, and then he would just take it all the way down to their end. I'll wait for the other my my whole team to show up, and then just get the ball stolen from him, and then he complains the whole time. But anyway, so does it feel like under Darasi, they've brought the midfield back? Because it feels like they're not trying to skip the midfield and play on the counter. It feels like they're trying to play out of the back. Would you agree with that statement? Yes. Is that the only question you had, yes or no? Or Yeah, well, if you wanted to elaborate. If you wanted to elaborate. Oh. Yeah, um, I thought that they did that against Feyenoord. I thought they did it again. Like, props to Feyenoord, seriously. They they played well. Like, they were a good challenge. And uh, <clears throat> they played their asses off. But I guess Roma had a bit of a bad day combined with... Like, I didn't think the refereeing was bad. I really didn't. And then... He was wasn't bad. He was Spanish. <laughs> When I was watching the replay, I was like, this, it just it was so obvious. This referee was so fucking bad. I hate, like, he could have given them red cards, could have given penalties, could have given more fouls, more yellows. It was so bad. Like, the referee, whatever. Um, I don't know, this didn't feel so on, on, on first viewing. So... It's still a process. We're still like learning to play out of the back. It's hard when we don't really have the best uh, fullbacks for it, in like Chalek, Christensen, and maybe even Angelino, who is kind of in there and in and out, I guess. But it's always better, in my opinion, for that. So is Karzerp. Uh, he actually knows how to move and pass. But I don't know. Um and actually move after the pass. It's a process. I feel like it's good that we're doing that because it's just laying down the fundamentals. But at the same time, what we did against Feyenoord, what we did against Frosinone, uh, was completely annulled when in the game against Arena we put Cristante and Paredes into the fucking midfield. Why are we relearning the same fucking lessons that we just had spent half the season learning? Cristante has not been a good fucking player in the midfield on pivot or DM since I don't know what fucking time. It's been 10 years since Milan or Benfica tried to play him there. It's been 12 years since Milan tried to play him there. Here we fucking are, still learning the lesson that Cristante cannot pass the ball, cannot, uh, unless the back pass, Cannot uh, take the ball forward. Is not a good pivot. His positioning is bad. Offensively, he does. We're attacking. We're controlling the ball the whole time against Feyenoord. He's standing in the midfield. Like he's standing between the two defenders. Torino. We finally take possession. We finally take control of the match against Torino. Cristante is standing at center field between two center backs. What the fuck are you doing? So it's hard to build in the midfield when the coach keeps trusting the same guys who don't know how to do that. Like, I don't know. Um, I feel like De Rossi 
is trying to get more free-flowing football through the middle. But again, the personnel he chooses for that is kind of horrendous. Uh, I don't know why he loves Cristante immediately. I don't know why everyone apparently does when watching it does not pass the test. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's probably better. Like, for example, the, the third Dybala goal against Torino was just Roma building through the middle. Dybala to Lukaku, Lukaku to Dybala. Dybala back to Lukaku, Lukaku back to Dybala. It's like, they just carved a goal from the middle. And that we did not have with, with Jose. That said, have you noticed when like Roma sets up, like takes possession of the game and is setting up in, in front of the, in, like in the, in the opponent's third, it's the same thing. Pass the ball to one guy, receive the ball, uh, 45 degree turn, pass to someone else, receive the ball, stop it, 45 degree turn, pass. And the opponents are just kind of like looking at it, like, you know, just just, just basically doing a little crab walk, left and right, and that's it. Roma just creates fucking nothing. So, I don't know. I don't know. We're trying. We're definitely trying to build something different and better. But is it succeeding? Well, obviously, because yeah. we've won five of six. Uh, yeah, I guess. I'm not a big fan of the Torino win, to be honest. That's uh, like for now, I'll chalk it off to De Rossi actually being smart and knowing how to control the game. Um. Most people were like, oh my god, they're playing three at the back again. It's horrendous. It's horrible. We've, we learned this lesson already. It doesn't work with this team. It's not built for that. Derossi then said in the presser that he did that because he wanted to ease Smalling back into the game and thought that Smalling might get outpaced or just uh, wouldn't be able to handle immediately playing two at the back because, first of all, he's used to it. Second of all, he just came back from what missing last seven months or something eight a lot uh, so yeah a lot like he didn't play this season i think maybe he did like in the first game or something so the rossi kind of in the first half you know you can tell Roma couldn't really build anything although i'll say this the rossi's three slash five at the back is different from Jose's. I don't really know how, but it's very clear we're trying to build with the wingers and have them like help defense and then immediately move. With Jose, it was kind of like, you know, just hoof the ball forward. Like, it's clear that we're trying to build from the back. So it doesn't really, the, the formation doesn't matter. But the problem is that, like, when Cristante gets the fucking ball, he just hoofs it forward, and it usually ends up in Torino's possession. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter which turn to build. It really doesn't matter when your one player keeps giving the ball away. He's had like what four games in a row where, in the first half, he he has more passes completed to opponents than to his own teammates, and that's our core pillar midfield. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Like, hey guys, let's build a, a house with using mud and honey, I don't know. And then you have some bricks over there if you want to use them, I guess. Whatever. Uh, Bove killed Daniela's cat. So, yeah.
tell me how you feel <laughs> about After the Torino game no about my rant oh i have the same <laughs> opinion of your rants as i always do i ain't listening to all that shit uh, so why do you ask me questions then yeah to get you going I'll say this: It's really devastating that after Europa League ends, you're it's evening, it's like night, it's almost midnight. You're celebrating and shit, and then you wake up, and then in a few hours, you find out that you're playing against Milan slash Liverpool. You hear the collective <laughs> city let out a groan. Yeah, kinda. I I honestly think that Milan and Liverpool won't give a damn about. Milan is chasing top four anyway. Like, what do they get from? You know, playing on two fronts to get what they'll get by playing just on one front. Liverpool are chasing a title, so uh, do they care about Europa League over a title? I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, probably. I, don't know. I think I think that they would chase. I think that they would chase down. Like I think they're going to get the Premier League title, and I think that they're going to go for the Europa League. It's like, yeah, it's not the Champions League, but it'll work, I guess. Yeah, when we talk about when we talked about it earlier, you said that Liverpool has like kids that are capable of actually playing Europa League and holding their own. Yes, which may be true. Yeah, we just saw it against Chelsea. Meanwhile, Prague's playing going to have to play out of their mind on both fronts. I mean, we saw Slavia there. If you had it, well, yeah, we saw Slavia. If we had to, um. Divert subjects for like one minute. Which prog side do you think has the better chance of progressing? Slavia or Sparta? Sparta, probably. Hmm. I don't know. No. Um, if it wasn't a fluke, if it wasn't a fluke, and if those kids of Liverpool actually, you know, start playing really really well in Europa League than Slavia I, I, I really don't expect Milan to just be like yeah Rafael Leal please play four games a week you can you can definitely manage right and I don't know like maybe Milan does the same thing as Roma does where like they give more minutes to their unused um, bench players who they signed for a lot of money but I don't know if they have it anymore and like insert some kids, but again, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I really think Slavia might upset. Like one of them is definitely going to upset them, upset the other. But I don't know. One thing I'll say that the Slavia and 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 Sparta play two derbies in like within a week. I think either starting today or starting next week, something like that. So basically, they're both one-upping one another, so like they're both highly motivated to... Uh, to like they, they, They'll be in good form, and they'll be ready for war. And I'm not sure if Liverpool or Milan are ready for that. That said, um, we got Brighton. Yeah, we got Dimton. Uh, seventh in the Premier League top of they top group b with 13 points four wins a draw and a loss uh that group had ajax marseille and uh aak i don't know aek athens ajax yeah 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 but yeah that was apparently completely unexpected 
thought would have thought IX or Marseille would have put a little bit more into that, but I guess not. IX suck. IX was like, fuck this. Uh, yeah, they they at the beginning of the year they were like absolutely horrible. I don't know. Didn't they like get a new coach or something? Yeah, they were like relegation zone, I think. Oh yeah, they were flirting with the relegation zone. They were they were off to their worst start ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's true. That's true. So, Holy yeah. crap! Chelsea is eleventh. All right. Yeah. Uh that derby actually starts today. Uh, That's 6 why I'm hearing police sirens. Six p.m. Your time. Yeah. Yeah. That's in the uh, I know that sides. we don't gamble, but Sparta is a plus 260 and Slavia is a minus 110. So, absolutely no clue what that means. It means Slavia is favored to win by a lot. We use odds in Europe, so like if the odds are 1.9 in a game, it means that your winnings are multiplied by 1. Point, or the money you bet is multiplied by 1.9 if you win it. So like if you put 100 bucks on a 1.9 odds, you get hundred and eighty dollars. So yes. Why? Why are we obsessed with betting odds and shit? Because I watched the NBA yesterday, and <laughs> for those who don't know, US never had sports betting legal outside of Nevada on maybe Atlantic City, um, until this season or something. Until like this last year, two thousand twenty-three, I think. And now everybody is in like. 700% into betting. You cannot watch any sports event without hosts of the show, without players and coaches and pundits and everybody just talking about betting oh. and easy money. And oh. This this derby is for the Czech Cup quarterfinal, yeah. so... Yeah. It's not the actual whatever. I mean, got. it's still the biggest derby in Yes. In Czech, yeah. So, but it's not one first Liga. I'm just hoping that Sparta goes through so that I can actually go watch Roma because I actually have friends who watch Sparta all the time who could get me tickets and shit. Probably get me into their ultra section. <laughs> and I'll be like, Woo! go, Rui, concede the go goal, sports. I guess. Go sports. Spotting's injured. Yay. Anyway, back to. <laughs> So, looking at uh, Brighton... Look, if, 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 Shosa, if Shosa was still here, I would have no problem rooting against Roma. <laughs> oh, no. You're uh, rooting against the Celtics, and look how that far look how far that gets you. I'm not rooting against Celtics. I'm just hoping that the Bucks win the title so that everyone would just implode. So, Brighton's missing uh, Karu Mitoma. He's out yes. for the season with an ACL. And the first match gets played March 7th. And Danny Welbeck might be out. And also Joel Veldman and also Evan Ferguson. Uh, meanwhile, we are unfortunately not missing Cristante. And uh, we are missing Bove, who has been glued to the bench. And um, for unknown reasons. So... He must have killed Derossi's cat or something. Yeah. Yep. So I think that we are going to get past Brighton with relative ease. Here's the thing, right? 
I'm breaking news. We have just confirmed that we're going to lose. Shit. Thanks for the jinx. I I said I said that we're gonna beat Slavia the uh, the Feyenoord's and that I'm I don't really care if we win or lose because if we lost then we could just focus on Serie A instead. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we can't lose to Feyenoord of all teams. I I guess yeah yeah it's true. Um, but here we are. Like no, I think I said in the last podcast that I think we might even lose. I don't know, but I said like I I, I don't care. I don't really care about Europa League more than Serie A right now. Uh, we're not gonna like the path is way more difficult this season than it was last year. Like there are so many better teams than us. Um, we're just distra- I think Leverkusen is still playing it, right? Yes, Leverkusen is still in the Europa League. Yeah. The- Yep, they're going to win Bundesliga in like two weeks and then they'll start playing youth and then we'll just focus on this. So, yeah, no, <laughs> we're not we're not beating Leverkusen. They're on a on an actual fucking bender right now. Um, Leverkusen have eight points more than Bayern with 11 games to go. Jesus. All right. What do you think about Brighton? I don't think that they're to be underestimated. They are still, first. Yeah, Zerbi. They're still a Premier League team, and I think that it's going to be a very tough match. Uh, we play our first, the first leg in Rome. Usually, we play better when the first leg is away. So, honestly, I'm ex- I'm expecting a tough. I'm honestly expecting a tough draw. This time, because we're still going to be poking around trying to find weaknesses. And unfortunately, we have to play away for the second leg. So I'd rather have the fans, you know, chanting their hearts out in the second leg. But it is what it is. So against Feyenoord, what's encouraging is that we saw Roma trying to attack throughout the entire uh, extra time. Um, Not something we've seen again. with Jose, with Jose it was like 94th minute. Okay, time to sub everyone out and just play defense. Um, whereas now we kind of attacked. We like it, it, it was obvious the players were exhausted, but they still tried to push. They still tried to score. They looked fearless. They were like, "Now nah, we want to score a goal." It wasn't like, "Oh my God, we have to close everything down. We need to shut the defense completely." Like none of that. It just there was no defensive play in that overtime and just attack. So um, in the in their last five matches in the Premier League, Brighton has won two, drawn one, and lost two. Uh, they had a loss. They had a loss, a four-nil loss to Luton Town. They beat Crystal Palace four-one. They lost two-one to Tottenham. They won five-nil against Sheffield and drew against Everton. So, I don't know. They Um, seem kind of, I guess they're kind of mid, but I still think it's going to be pretty hard. What I'll say is, like, I would rather play against coaches like Deserby, where, like, if he, if if you get outcoached and outsmarted by a coach, and, you know, he is the prodigy, like, he'll be coaching 
Chelsea or Liverpool or Bayern, like he's gonna be doing something big soon. That's fine. Like you at least know what you're getting at. You at least know that you're kind of playing from behind here because Roma is not very well coached and we're lacking a lot of things. Whereas Brighton are like clearly lacking some talent and some firepower. Um, but they're extremely well drilled and they know exactly how to score goals. They know exactly what they want to do. So I guess it's going to be a unique experience where just like against Torino, you can find ways to win. Like you can rely on Lukaku having a, just being Lukaku. <laughs> you can rely on Dybala. You can rely on Pellegrini having a moment of, of brilliance. Stefan Elshravi, of course. But I would much rather play those games than against Slavias and Spartas and shit where like you have, you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. They can suck for 80 minutes and we relax and then they score two goals out of nowhere. And then suddenly they are ready for battle, literally, <laughs> in the return leg. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Who are these guys? So I don't know. Um, I would much rather play in that type of game. And I'm I'm happy to see another test for De Rossi to see if he can get outcoached by, you know, one of maybe better... Um, Coaches, I get but better, better tactical slash strategic coaches of today. So yeah, I I think like Guardiola mentioned that he steals from Brighton or something like that. Like you know, he's getting some high high marks. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I feel like we're gonna win just just based on 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 uh, on talent, especially when they're you know missing Kaoru Mitoma. But uh, yeah, um, going back to the Torino game. Oh, by the way, do you know when was the last time Roma won against an English team or like on English soil? Won against an English team? Yeah. They beat uh, Leeds or never mind, Leicester in the Conference League. On English soil? I think it was. Uh, I don't think it was. Yeah, it was a draw there. Yeah. But you just said beat an English team. You didn't specify if it was one or English legs. soil. <sighs> no. Why doesn't anybody listen to me, man? My girlfriend no. should be on this podcast. should be fantastic for not listening to me. Anyway, <laughs> when was the last time Roma beat an English team on English soil? Yeah. When? I didn't say. I don't know. I don't no. think it was recently. When did, Ro- we... when did Rome invade Gaul? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that might be it. Uh, we played against Man United. We played against... Leicester. We lost to United. We lost to Liverpool. We lost, we lost to United again. I don't know. I don't really remember. Maybe some West Ham games or something. No, it wasn't that. Even Red Star beat Liverpool, man. Jesus. <sighs> Alright. So, to read again. Red Star? Yeah. When we oh. played in. Uh, when Red Star played Champions League against Liverpool, they beat him 2 0 in Belgrade a couple of years ago. Roma yeah, has utilized 25 players in eight games under Daniele De Rossi. Yeah. Fun times. Hmm.
So who do we have next? Monza? We have Monza next, yes, but we didn't talk about Torino at all. The Torino game. That was just Dybala 3, Torino 2. Uh, Cristante 2, Dybala 3. Uh, Cristante <laughs> didn't give up an own goal. That was Haujin. Haujin. So, yeah, I don't know. Um... What's there to say, really? Uh, we switched back to Jose's formation. Everyone lost their minds. It was brutal to watch. It was horrendous. Crisante was giving the ball away. He had like, I don't know, four uh, turnovers, like clear passes to Torino in the first five minutes. And then there was people going, saying that uh, Cristante hatred is too much. It's irrational. It's getting too... Uh, that he's making the same amount of mistakes as everyone else. Okay. So uh, no, it's horrible. Torino, like, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I don't have a thought composed. You go ahead. So in this Roma Torino game, Roma had fifty four percent possession. Uh, Torino had forty six. We had six shots, three on target. They had fourteen and six on target. We had three chances. One was missed. That's the Asmoon pass to Christensen. And by the way, we hit the woodwork again. Torino had mm. no big chances, so no misses. Miss 100% of the shots you don't take. We had two crosses completed for 67% cross rate. Uh, Torino had four completed out of 21. Uh, my favorite statistic isn't really is it really a statistic it's a result for people oh yeah i'm not really impressed with the torino win uh we probably could have achieved that under Mourinho. the last Mourinho torino game was a 1-1 draw (laughs) so suck it you know what this felt to me like a draw uh and i'll explain so penalties are not something you can always rely on. Like, yeah, sure, there is an arch to getting a penalty to properly moving in to be like Torino had to replace their center back uh, very early on, and the the guy who didn't start, who's obviously not good enough to start, um, he's the guy who conceded the penalty. So that's luck. It's not something you can always rely on, really. Second, uh, that shot that Dybala had, fantastic. Yeah, he's capable of that, but. Just remember Dybala from Feyenoord, for example. He was exhausted. He tried to shoot, and the ball wouldn't get off the ground. And then he was like walking awkwardly for about 70 minutes of the game before getting replaced at the 60th minute. Just kidding. I don't know. Like He's capable of it, but come on. You're not going to rely on Dybala shooting from 25 yards out. Like That's not something you rely on. That's not a reliable goal. The Lukaku Dybala goal is something that we should rely on, and it's very ex- ex- expectable. Um, expected. Torino scored one goal off of a uh, house and on goal. Like, whatever happens, you know, but it's not something that you can say that it's always going to happen. Uh, secondly, the goal that is scored, the first one, Duvan Zapata, that goal is probably something that better teams do score on Roma. Um, I don't really blame Cristante for that goal, even though most people do. <laughs> it's, 
hilarious when you watch it, the ones about to just jumps a little bit backwards and just moves Cristante out of existence. Like, <laughs> it was not fair. Um, fantastic goal, fantastic header. He's he's a beast, and if Roma was playing against uh, Holland, if Roma was playing against Benzema or Lewandowski or, you know, Harry Kane, same thing would happen. Like, they would just move a the physically stronger players are always going to outmuscle Mancini's, Smalling's, Cristante. Like, we've seen Ossiman manhandle Smalling, and Smalling is our strongest defender. So, um, whatever. It's going to happen. It's a goal you can count on. So, for me, this match was kind of a one on one that we won. I, I don't know. The narrative was that Torino is this giant slayer where they're the biggest problem for everybody this year. They beat Napoli, who didn't. They beat Atalanta. Atalanta, who is ahead of us in the standings because they sometimes have bad patches and then they figure it out and then they play unstoppable football for long stretches. Okay, happens. They beat Atalanta. They also lost to Lazio, Juventus, Milan, Inter, Fiorentina, and Bologna. And they scored one goal against, in total against those teams. Twice against Lazio, 2-0. So they scored two goals against Roma. And that's more than they scored against the other, like, what, seven or eight games combined against Top Dogs. So, you know, not very proud of that achievement. Especially because we came out and we were trying our hardest to not concede a goal and then we did <laughs> so i don't know I, this game is not something to be proud of for me a win is a win sure fantastic that's we are going one bit at a time one game at a time that is important under de rossi and we are seeing improvements but as i said we are relearning lessons that we have known for not only this season but for better part of the last decade um, Cristante cannot pass and isn't a midfielder. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. It's frustrating. It really is frustrating because we have we have Bove on the bench. We have Sanchez who made an appearance uh, finally. I don't think he's going to get more minutes anytime soon. He's going to get like 10, 15, 20 minutes max to get into rhythm. Um, we have Awar. We have Pisili, we have Pellegrini, and we have uh, Paredes. Like, honestly, the biggest takeaway for me from the Torino game was that Dani took off De Rossi. He took off one of Cristante and, Pele uh, Cristante and Paredes, I'm sorry, inserted Bove, and we were so much better. Like, Torino just never once attacked after that. Like, they did attack, but, you know, they didn't, do they didn't look dangerous anymore. Like, Bove was just a killer for them. They didn't know how to deal with, with Roma anymore, and we were just, like, slowly taking over control of the game. So, yeah. Are you alive? No, I died. <laughs> also, I did some digging. Uh, Roma has never won in England. Really? We've lost to Birmingham, or, sorry, tied Birmingham. Uh, lost to Sheffield, this is the 60s. Lost to Chelsea. <sighs> lost to Ipswich. Tied Liverpool in Rome, however. We didn't beat Leeds in the 90s, 98. 
in 99, 0-0 with Newcastle, spelled wrong. Um, lost to Leeds in 2000. Then we... Oh, shit, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. So Liverpool beat Roma in 2001 in the UEFA Cup in Rome, but then Roma won in Liverpool. That is our only win in, in England ever of all time. Cool beans. Ah. Yeah, tied Arsenal away. Um, lost to Middlesbrough. Uh, then we remember uh, Man United versus Roma, where Daniel De Rossi scored in a 7-1 defeat, to say the least. Uh, Man United beat Roma following season, it seems. 1-0. And then we lost again. Champions League. Jesus, how many times did we play United? And then lost to Chelsea, lost to Arsenal, tied Fulham, tied City, tied Chelsea 3-3 in that fantastic game where Roma was down 3-1, 3-0, something like that. The famous Chelsea goal, or Jacko goal. Um, got completely fucking robbed by the referees against Liverpool, got destroyed by United, tied Leicester, and that's it. Now we have a chance to for Daniel De Rossi to break another curse, winning on uh, English English soil, apart from that one awkward win <laughs> twenty four years ago. So tell me, twenty four years ago, yeah, that win can buy alcohol in the United States. Oh shit, Russia as well, Russia. <laughs> uh. What is what did you Germany. think about the Torino game? Did you like get bored? Did you like how we switched? Uh, what what? Give me something. Give me give me your brain. Uh, I wouldn't really give you my brain. That's a very dangerous place to go. Because right now I'm thinking about would cats wear pants over their back two legs or all four legs? I'm very confused. Anyway, back to Torino. The my thoughts on Torino was I saw a three at the back. I'm like, wait a minute, did they reinstall Mourinho as the coach? And then made sense because Smalling was coming back in the starting lineup, which was good. Dybala's penalty, like you said, the substitute gave up the penalty. Uh, that to me, that was a really super dangerous tackle he made on Azbun. Yeah. So you know, pretty deserved. I would rather saw Asmoon take the penalty, but backing order and all that, Dybala converted. The... You know what's funny? I to interrupt you. Um, I saw a comment. I don't know where it was. If it was on Reddit or Kiesiritotti or something. People were saying that back in the day, the guy, the player who uh, the penalty was conceded against would never the take the penalty. It. Yeah, it was never the guy that took it. But in my memory, it was always... If somebody fouls you, you're the guy who takes the penalty. Like, always. Then again, it may just be a memory of me watching uh, Roma, where, like, Totti was taking everything, so... <laughs> he was also getting fouled a lot, so, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's weird. Uh, tell us how you feel about it in the comments. And Well, we don't really post on YouTube, so good luck. Sorry, continue. Just add us at our Twitter page, at Roma Happens. Or X page, I don't know what it's called. X gonna give it to you. Anyway, so then Zapata had his goal, and I was kind of like, of course this happens. 
the person that Roma was targeting in the transfer window, scores against us, tail as old as time, and then Dybala came back. I really liked Dybala's second goal, and his third goal was absolute. Like, that was a tight angle. Like, like I, Lukaku's first touch and the pass. I don't know what's better, because how can Lukaku not have that first touch always? He's a brick wall usually when it comes to first touches, and this was like immaculate first touch to set up himself for a pass. What the fuck was that? Yeah, that was the one good pass that Lukaku's had this year. So, yeah, then apparently the celebration that Dybala had with De Rossi on the sideline that went viral. So, that was nice. And, yeah. Haujin, to me, shouldn't have scored the own goal, but what are you going to do? Simple. Yeah, it kind of... Don't shoot at our own goal, bro. <laughs> I mean, the the ball was kicked really hard at his legs. Like, he, I yes. don't think he had time to adjust, so, like, whatever. It just felt like when that goal was scored, it was like, oh, for fuck's sake, this game's not over yet. And then Torino were like, just, just, just end, just end. We're not even trying. <laughs> it didn't feel like the, there was any any danger coming from being 3-2 up. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Yeah. So... so yeah, uh, what, what... Do we... Do we say that Sviller has now cemented himself? We said that last podcast, because Darasi said... Uh, let me check my notes. We have two exceptional goalkeepers, and it's the only role where I want to have some clarity, considering that he, the way he performed this evening, this was after the Frozenone game. Svilar deserves to be given a chance and was named Roma's starting goalkeeper. So cool. there yes, was he's, a... cement, he's already cemented himself two, three games ago. So there was an instance where I think. Torino were up. It was after their first goal, where uh, Torino had a chance to score again. It was the Weefer, Weefer, whatever player. Uh, he had kind of a one-on-one -on -one with Svilar. Like Spinazzola was there, but you know it's Spinazzola. And I thought that was the most amazing goalkeeping I've seen in a long time at Roma. And by long time, I mean since we had um, Allison. Svilar stays stays on his. On his line, I mean, you know, a couple feet off the line, as he's facing a one on one. And I'm watching and I'm thinking, like, what the hell is he doing? Why is he not running forward? So the moment the Weefer enters the box, Swiller makes two or three steps forward, like maybe slightly before he entered the box, just to cut off the angle, just to like suddenly cut off the angle and make the, like, logically thinking, he's making the striker reconsider his options, maybe panic even, maybe like if he decided what he's going to do with the ball, maybe the goalkeeper is cutting off the angle to just make him go like, oh shit, I don't know what to do now, and just panic. And it worked! He shot straight at Sviller. Like, fantastic, fantastic positioning. And it wasn't slow, it was like lightning fast steps forward to just perfectly timed. And he just looked, you know, completely unfazed. Like, he wasn't angry at defense, he was just like, yep, yeah, this is what I do. I don't know, man. Like, just fantastic. <sighs> Supreme confidence in Sviller, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so what I wanted to ask you something. 
I wanted to ask you, do you think the Rossi has been very lucky so far? No. I feel like it's uh, due to the personnel we have. Because he came in and he kind of wanted to play a little bit cautious because this is his second coaching stint. He went from Spal to coaching. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. No, I, I, it, it, I'm count counting. I'm counting it for this. I'm counting it for this. He went from coaching Spal. Spal's like, yeah, no, thank you. And they fucked off to the relegation zone to Syria and his hometown club's like, hey, you want a shot coaching us? Don't fuck it up. He's like, okay. So. I would give more credit to being assistant coach for Mancini's, um, uh, what do you call it, staff for Italy, than than for than than Spal. I don't know, man. Spal wasn't coaching. It just it's like if your friend asks you to like look at six year olds and like teach them how to throw the ball into a hoop, you wouldn't put it on your resume and be like, I coached kids for a month. I coached like, a youth team. All right, you want to thing with our second team? Sure, why not? The Celtics might be looking for a coach. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But no, I don't think it was lucky. I think like he just has good personnel and his ideas and tactics are more in line with our personnel. So I think True. that it's a, I think it's a good fit. I think that he's not he's showing that he is more tactically versatile. He's thrown out a whole bunch of looks in his games that he's managed so far just to see what sticks. And the uh, it feels kind of like a breath of fresh air from the tactical rigidity of Mourinho and even Fonseca. So it's nice to see him kind of find his legs and be like, oh, yeah, this works and this doesn't work. Because like what has been happening so far has been working. So I wouldn't really say it's lucky. because. If we're going to go with Locke, it's a miracle that uh, Roma passed against uh, Feyenoord, but that's just me. So It's just I'm thinking, um, basically, we beat Salernitana 2-1, uh, where we had a penalty. Um, again, I consider penalties more luck than anything. We did destroy Cagliari 4-0, uh, which was, again, fantastic. Frozenone, like, we we beat Frozenone because Spiller had an amazing game, and then Hausen, just out of nowhere, scores a goal and just opens the the the, the, the score sheet. Like, you're not going to rely on that. Against Verona, we kind of were controlling the game, early on, and then we kind of, I don't know, we let Verona dominate, and there was some luck, I guess, involved, maybe that we didn't concede, because we had some saves, and it wasn't, the, like, the most perfect, like, it's still 2-1, like, Folarunshu scored a goal, if you remember, from, like, I don't know, 40 yards or something, it was insane. They easily could have scored more. Like, they, they hit the post, I think, or or the, the bar. So, it feels like, obviously, you know, getting past final penalties is still a little bit of luck. It just feels like Daniela De Rossi gets um, some way to find wins. And whether it's from supreme goalkeeping or 
center, 18 year old center back having the best games of his career in the next seven years. And, you know, maybe exaggerating, but maybe not. Uh, it's, it's, it feels like either he's doing the right things every single game to make, sh- to make, to find a way to win, or he's getting a little bit lucky. Like you can tell, you can say that against Inter, we weren't lucky at all. We were unlucky, if anything, and we didn't deserve to lose that game, especially not by two goals. That was like if we had Svilar there, <laughs> there's no way we conceded like three of the Inter goals. So I don't know. Uh, I, it feels like we're scoring differently. We're scoring out of all positions, and everyone feels like capable of scoring suddenly. So. I'm not sure if if I wouldn't completely chalk this off to luck, but I I can see people saying that the Rossi has been lucky. I can see where that come that, where that's coming from. I'm just not sure if we have uh, enough to like you know battle through the luck element. However, what might be lucky for us is that it seems like Italy is going to ha- get the fifth Champions League spot. Fun time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we just have to beat. We we just have to beat some teams, and some teams have to beat other teams for us to get that spot. Because <laughs> right now the Mourinho stands are their thing is like one month of De Rossi in charge. He's four points off of fourth. Uh, when Mourinho left, he was four points off of fourth. So nothing's changed. But I'm like, Atalanta's drawn one and won four in their last five. Bologna's won all five. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> like, thanks a lot. Yeah, Milan. Depend on the Rossi Rossi to fucking win everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's very disingenuous to uh, make that argument. So, um. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to do some research because there, to to that, uh, I have I have something else to add to that. I'm just trying to do some research on it because last year I made a meme. Uh, M- so Roma had on the slate. It was uh, Empoli, and uh, this was actually last last February when we started the podcast. Uh, Roma had a stretch where it was Empoli, Lecce, Verona, and Cremonese, and I made the made the meme of them gifting Roma twelve points in four games, and Roma was like, "Fuck this!" and threw it out the window. And in those games, uh, Roma won uh, against Empoli two nil, drew Lecce, and beat Verona and lost to Cremonese twice. No, this was not during the... This was right after the Coppa Italia quarterfinal when we lost. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying we lost twice to them. Yes, um, in, in, the, in the span of a month. Yeah. Because we lost the quarterfinal on the 1st of February, and then we lost to them on the 28th of February. So what you're saying is that Roma, under De Rossi, luck or no luck, finds ways to win games that they should win. Yes. Under that's what I'm saying is we've had this discussion before about uh, Fonseca. They it seemed like they beat the small teams. They would just put the small teams away and 
like, yeah, they lost against the big teams or whatever. But under Mourinho, it just felt like he couldn't, there wasn't any results against the big teams or the small teams. Like, yeah, congratulations. We drew against Inter, but we also drew against Lecce, who uh, at the time when we played them, let me check because I was looking. Oh. Yeah, they were 15th. And we were fourth. Yeah. Yeah. So. Absolute, like, that's that's my point, is we, it feels like, yeah, De Rossi could could be getting lucky or whatever, but for some reason, it just feels like whatever's changed, whether it's the personnel that he's been putting on the field or the tactics he's been using, something's changed. We've been getting some results, and people are like, I'm not convinced yet. Well, that stretch of four games when we should have had 12 points in four games, we finally got 12 points. Uh, took five games, but who was honestly expecting to get points over Inter? So, and it's honestly I funny, w- too. Was. It's honestly funny, though, watching, because the, the Rossi haters are like, oh, yeah, he's got to fuck up and all of that. And everybody's like, well, yeah, he's got to fuck up, I guess, Inter, but Inter's the top of the league right now. You're not... Yeah. You're not gonna beat them. They're right now. They're at 66 points. They got a whole 22 points ahead of Roma at the moment. They, I'm pretty sure you have a spreadsheet that says that I was convinced we would beat Inter. Um, <laughs> yeah. And how'd that I go for you? Um, the thing is, I mean, in, after the first half, I was winning. I feel <laughs> you cannot really go for evaluating and judging player development so far, but. I, I I don't know if there isn't an element of luck to winning these games because just simply because I don't know if this is a system. I think the new coach thing has a still a little bit of an effect, but it's definitely a different type of football that we're playing. We're definitely trying more things, but players are you know, being challenged and asked to prove why they are, you know, what they are and why they're paid this much money and to show exactly in the pitch what they can do, um, which, you know, every athlete in the world is going to take the challenge and be like, you know, I'm going to show you what, because athletes want to entertain. They want to compete and entertain people. It's, you know, ingrained in being a professional grade A athlete. Um I, I'm just not sure if this is sustainable type of play where it feels like we're playing one game at a time, everything is heroic. One like every single week you have a new hero. Like first it's Lukaku's shoulder, then it's Dybala, then it's Filar, then Pellegrini is being you know lifted into the into the skies again, into the heavens because he's you know apparently back to form, back to being amazing and incredible. Dude, he's scoring goals. As a midfielder, he's still really fucking bad. His movement is erratic. He has he makes no sense with his movement. He's covering basically nobody. He is not dictating anything. He's not really making himself available for outlet passes for build-up play. Like as a midfielder, he is not really doing his job. But as of like in in the in the final third, he is scoring. He's delivering. He's providing assists. So everyone is back to doing what they want and what they can do 
I'm just not sure if, if that's sustainable. Like, is that something that you build your top four with? I don't know. We're, we're, that's that's what I'm going to be observing from like this point on, I guess, to, for the rest of the season, to see if this is something we're building, or is this um, a current effect? Because starting next season, that effect is not going to be there. It has to be like this has to be sustainable. So I don't know. Food for thought. The whole luck thing. But uh, we definitely look better. We definitely look better than most of the teams we play. I thought we looked better than... Not better, but not worse than Inter. So definitely haven't looked worse than anyone so far. The Atalanta and, and Bologna and uh, Milan and Juve games are going to be fun. So in that in that, that that meme that I made, those four games, the highest spot that we played against was Empoli, who was in 11th. And the lowest we played against was Cremonese, who was in 19th. And the other ones was uh, Lecce at 15th and Verona at 18th. And we pulled... Four points? Uh, seven out of 12. It was a one... It was a 2 nil win against Empoli for three points. A 1-1 one, one draw, so there's four. And then a 1-0 win against Verona, which is five. Uh, sorry, seven. Seven points. The most, the most annoying thing uh, I can see is when somebody goes, in the next four games we're playing this, these teams, and then I'm expecting at least 10 points, 12 would be great. It's like, okay, let's just go one game at a time. Like, just please don't. Well, yeah, but everybody My, else at the no. time was like, oh, yeah, we're totally getting 12 points out of that. I'm like, no, no you're not. I'd like... Yeah, absolutely should happen, but it. And the thing is, is that it was a freaking draw and a, a draw to the 15th place team and a loss to the 19th place team who hadn't got a win that season yet, barring the Coppa Italia. Oh my God! Yeah, I forgot. So that was that was the aggravating part about all that. Yeah, that's why we so, started the podcast. Anyway. Eruption of frustration with Rome. Yes. Um actually happened during those games. What are we playing against Monza? Like Monday again or something? Uh Saturday. Oh god, really? Yes. Oh yeah, because we have the Europa League afterwards. Okay, cool. That's right. Cool, cool, cool. Anyway, um, Roma Monza Saturday. Time to slowly wrap, th wrap things up. We've been talking for more than an hour, and I swear to God, I was like, "We'll have Hussein Awar." The thirty minutes episode. Hussein Awar. Um, thank you for listening Awar. to us. Thank you for Bove for existing, I guess, and giving us hope that one day we won't have to watch Cristante, who is the most amazing, most irreplaceable midfielder of all time, because. You know, apparently no team in the world wants him, except every coach that comes to Roma. And uh, I hope that Spalletti takes over Juve or something, because apparently he also loves Cristante, so go fucking buy him then. Uh, I swear to God, if I if I, if I I see another Roma midfielder misplace five passes in the first ten minutes of the game, I'm just going to be a Lazio fan or something. Yeah, no, I'm not. Jesus, that's disgusting. Well, on that note... Char, please say something smarter than me. Did you know that back in the 1940s, Disney made a educational video to sell menstruation products? <laughs>
supposed to with the desperation of a soldier my lyrics hold ya feel my heart beat even colder fighting for my rights in darkened alleys like guerrilla warfare now I plan assassinations because the western nation keeps us in ghettos like an urban reservation I'll attack at red dawn no time remaining on point military missionaries how I vary my mind is scary preparations for crime one time feel me rain so feel me rain black rain black rain citizen king talking black rain black rain black rain peace to in the game black rain black rain through the struggles and the strain black rain black rain elements of mind so feel the rain from behind black rain black rain peace to in the game black rain black rain through the struggles and the strain black rain 